Um, April is coming to an end. So we got May coming up. And what's in May? Our Friends and Family Day. May 15th is our Friends and Family Day. And we need your help. We need some volunteers to help with that day. Um, I do have a sign-in sheet on the big welcome desk right in the middle. So if you can, please go out, look at the sign-up sheet, what you can sign up for. Um, we need your help. We want your help. Come help us out. Friends and Family Day. I, I'm so excited. I love Friends and Family Day. I, I know you guys do too. Um, also, we have cards to give out for Friends and Family Day. So I need all of you also on the big welcome desk to grab cards, okay? We, we put our information, basic information of where our church is, what time service starts. Um, we would love, love, love for you to take those and share them with your friends and family so they have a physical thing to look at. Um, also, if you're new here at Crossroads, I hope you got a connection card. It just has your simple information, name, uh, phone number. Um, we're not here to, um, <laughs> you know, pick at you or, you know, bother you or anything. It's just there to reach out and say, thank you for coming to this service. We love you. Um, so if you are near, new, this is your first time. Connection cards, they're out in the foyer if you did not receive one. One of our greeters would love, love, love to give you one. Fill that out, and we would love to give you a gift at the end of service once you turn it in um, on, on the Welcome Center as well. All right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm like almost 30 weeks pregnant, so I'm tired. All right. Let's stand up, y'all. It's time to worship. Who's ready to worship, y'all? Stand up. Let's go. All right. Come on. Let's worship.
Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 tells us this. It says, day and night, day and night, night and day, around the throne of Almighty God, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Can we say that one more time? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And saints, if you were ever wondering what heaven on earth feels like, you were just in that moment where we joined alongside the angels of heaven and the saints of heaven along your lost loved ones who are now with him. You were singing beside your family, rejoicing, praising God for who he is and what he has done. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Faithful, faithful, faithful is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, I hear myself on revert. There we go. <laughs> Worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. Come on, let me hear somebody say, Worthy. 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 Don't miss this moment. Worthy. Worthy. Worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. On earth as it is in heaven, my God. Wow. Holy Father, as we transition into our next level of giving our tithes and offerings. Father, I just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment that your sons and daughters were able to just to come into your presence, to feel your love and your mercy and your grace, to be renewed for the week to come, that we would seek you above all else, Holy Father God, that we'd seek you in all things, Lord God, not just on Sunday mornings, but Monday through Saturday that we would sit in your presence and join with the saints and angels of heaven singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Brothers and sisters, as we transition into our next level of giving, if you would get your tithes and offerings ready for today. You can stand as you get your tithes and offerings ready as we normally do. We're going to read our giving passage. Sometimes we don't need to rush a moment, you know. In his presence, we are renewed. In his presence, we are comforted. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding in his presence. Some of you have experienced that in the past couple weeks. Where life didn't make any sense, he came in and just made things okay. It would have faced another day.
He is faithful. <laughs> he is worthy of anything we could ever give. Any amount of money we could ever give into his kingdom, he is worthy. We are simply stewarding what he has given us for this lifetime. Would you please read the passage with me? Miss Pat, if you'd bring up the passage for me. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, you may give. Children's Church may be dismissed with Pastor Serena waving at you guys in the Crossroads shirt. Children's Church is now dismissed. Oh, thanks, man. We love his presence in this house. That's why I'm here. I don't know why you guys are here, but I, I come for him just to experience him, just to know him. Golly, just the honor of knowing him. Mm. <laughs> so good, so faithful, so faithful. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Glad to have you guys with us. If you don't know me, my name is Josiah Hodge. I'm the lead servant and lead pastor here at Crossroads World Outreach Center, and it's an honor to have you with us today. I wanted to give you a quick update on the Resurrection Seed offering. Right now, to date, we got $16,500. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for being faithful. Um, we're just... Uh, 1350 away from where we need to be to start phase one of our community center project. And so if you are still wanting to give towards the resurrection seed offering and the Lord is laying it on your heart, please feel free to continue to give. That was not a one-time thing. I personally am still giving to the resurrection seed offering because I know what the Lord instilled in this church for a vision to impact West Columbia shall come to pass if we remain faithful. And so I'm not giving up on that dream. I'm not discouraged. I'm absolutely encouraged. $16,000 is a lot of money. So praise God. Praise the Lord that he is blessing you 
and you are blessing us, and then we are able to be a blessing to others, because that is what it is all about. Thursday is our golf tournament. Who's excited? Who is taking part in the golf tournament? Who's playing? Who's actually playing in the golf tournament? Kenneth's playing. No, nobody else? No one else in here? Bradley? All right, cool. Well, yeah, he's the winner, the only one playing. He wins the contest. Uh, the golf tournament is on Thursday, so I am super excited about that. Remember, all proceeds. Miss Pat, what are y'all up to now? 24? Close to 24. Which they already surpassed what they wanted to do in the first place, so praise God. I'm going to tell you what, when Pat Mobley and Don Cole get their minds on something, it shall come to pass. Those are two strong, determined women. Praise God for them. And so all of that is going to Turbyville Children's Home to do repairs for the children, which I think is a beautiful cause. Because scripture says true religion is taking care of widows and orphans in their times of need. And so I pray that we are truly seeking God and fulfilling the scriptures through that. Don't forget May 15th, coming right around the corner, is Friends and Family Day. I'm excited because it's Hawaiian themed. So all of you come in your Hawaiian shirts. We're going to have lays and everything. It's going to be a good time. Wear flip-flops if you want to. Yeah, I give you permission. Wear flip-flops to church. I mean... Look how I dress. It wouldn't be anything different if you did, so it's fine. Um, but invite your friends. Invite your family. We have the invite cards on the old welcome desk right there in the middle where the t-shirts are. So take those. Start giving them out to your friends and family because we are super excited. Um, the first one we did in February was a huge success, and we pray you know, the Lord blesses us again through that. Uh, who enjoyed Easter Sunday? Man, that was awesome. It was awesome. We had such a good time. I want to encourage you that there were nine salvations and rededications on Sunday. So that's super. Let's hear it. Um, super encouraging to see people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because um, that's what it's all about. That's, that's why I'm here, man. That's, that's the whole reason for me being here. And I think we've been in this series for like seven weeks. Every time I feel like I actually do a series, it just kind of lasts forever. But I pray that this has been beneficial to you. Um, it's been beneficial to me as I have been serving. Um, can I just ask you guys, this is just a request from the real church who meets in downtown Finley Park. Um, they are having a real bad problem with people who have meth addictions attacking the other elderly homeless people. Um, and so on Bible study on Wednesday in the park, we had a couple people come who had been beat up pretty bad by um, a, a group who's running around and just kind of stealing and beating people up and taking their things. So um, can, would you stand with me and join me as we pray over them? Um, I've been praying over them all week because it breaks my heart to know that these types of things are happening in our city um, to defenseless people who have nothing else. So if you'd raise your hands to heaven as we pray, uh, has your protection over them. Holy Father God, we pray over the real church of the homeless church that meets in downtown Columbia. And Father, I just pray a special hedge of protection over them as they are living in conditions we could never imagine. Living on the streets, not knowing if they're going to wake up the next morning, not knowing if they're even going to have their possessions they went to sleep with. And so, Father God, we just pray a special hedge of protection that anyone who would come against them to physically harm them would not even be able to get near them. Holy Father God, I pray your protection of your angels would surround them, Lord God, that they would cover them, that even if that inclination in their minds would come upon them to attack, their mind would automatically be changed knowing that that is wrong so father we just pray protection over our brothers and sisters lord god give us a sympathy in our hearts for them to help to truly help father god and just please protect them father watch over them you know your daughters and sons who are trying their best to follow you lord god so father we just pray you protect them and watch over them your mighty name we pray amen and amen thank you guys
Today, uh, we are going into part four of a disciple is a servant. And today is faithful stewards. Faithful stewards. If you remember last time, which was like three weeks ago that we talked, we talked about faith plus works, that your works show what you truly believe. What you put your hands to shows what you truly believe. And it shows what you believe about God. If you believe God is a provider, you will also be a provider. If you believe that God is a protector, you will be a protector. And so we had talked about that. But leading into this week, uh, we're going to go to a passage that I have actually heard weaponized by for, before to condemn people. But that is the opposite of what I want to do with this passage today. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you and I want to equip you for the days to come. That is my heart is not to entertain you, but to equip you because life is hard. And we need to know how to cling to the things of God and to truly stand. And so if you'd please stand with me as we read our passage, as is our custom. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. A little bit of a bigger passage, but it'll all come together. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, this is Jesus speaking. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The men who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The one with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father God, I just pray that your word does the work today, Father. I just pray you speak through me. You pierce our hearts, pierce our ears, pierce our minds. Let us hear and receive today, but to be encouraged to go out and serve you and to be faithful in all things you have given us. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. 
Amen and amen. And so Jesus tells this parable alongside other parables, and it's, he's speaking of his return. He's speaking of the time to come when he will come back. Um, and so Jesus is giving these different parables, giving us examples of what that looks like and what that means. And so often I've realized in the church that there are a lot of Christians scared for the return of Jesus. I mean, y'all, those left behind movies are not very accurate. And it has terrified you that the moment you slip up, Jesus is like, nah, I'm leaving you. Good, good luck. And I've noticed that Christians, instead of being, being excited, rejoicing for the return of our master and Lord, we cower and we're afraid. And instead of saying, God, I, Jesus, I am your bride, return for me. We're like standing on the outside. Jesus, don't come. I'm not ready. I'm scared. That's the opposite of what Jesus wanted for his bride. No good husband wants his bride to be afraid of him. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so I personally am sick and tired of Christians being afraid of the return of Jesus. Every day I walk with Jesus, the more I'm excited for his return. Honestly, most days I feel like Paul. Paul says, I know it's more beneficial for me to be here serving, but everything in me longs to be with my father. Don't get me wrong. I love my wife and I love my baby and my unborn child that'll be here in a couple months. But my sole desire is to be with him. I will steward well what I have here, but my vision isn't even here. My vision is there. And I've noticed more and more Christians are not eternity-minded. We're not. We're not eternity-minded. We don't understand that it's the day-to-day how we live our lives, not Sunday mornings. I want you to come on Sunday mornings, but God's not looking at Sunday mornings, but all right, awesome. They came Sunday morning. It's great. They don't got to do anything else. We are not called to steward Sunday mornings. We are called to steward what he has given us in our lives. Let's go into the passage as we usually do. Let's look at verse 14. It says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. This is Jesus speaking about himself when he was crucified, died, rose again. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And what does it mean to be, have someone entrust to you? It means you are a steward. Well, what is a steward? A steward, the job of a steward is to protect and expand the assets of another on their behalf. And so Jesus is telling this parable and it says this man's going on a journey speaking of himself. And he says he calls his servants to himself and he entrusts them with his wealth, with his possessions. He entrusts them. So one thing we have to understand today is that everything you have actually is not yours. Well, Pastor Josiah, I am, I'm a, you know, I work with my hands. I built my entire wealth. No, you were blessed because of the work of your hands. So you may be a self-made man. Praise God that you're a hard worker. I, I love people who work hard. I have so much, so much respect for people who work hard. I think that's a lost art in America today is a hardworking ethic. But you have to understand everything you have, no matter how hard you work, is a blessing from God. And so actually your possessions don't belong to you. You're simply stewarding what he has entrusted you with. Do, you under, do we understand that today? So we understand everything we have is given from God to us to steward, which what does that mean? To protect and to expand. Okay? Do we understand that, right? That's what verse 14 is telling us. We are all stewards. Anyone who is a servant of the king is a steward of the king's possessions. Verse 15. To one he gave 
five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So what I need us to see is this. We are not all equal in what he has given us. And that's okay. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 says that Jesus chooses what he gives. It says the amount of grace and spiritual gifts he pours out is because he truly knows you. Who else in here besides myself usually takes on more than we can handle? Jesus will never give you more than you can handle. That's the fact of the matter. What he actually entrusts you with, he will never entrust you with more than you can, than you can properly and faithfully steward. So anything he has given you, and let's talk about what has he, what has he given you. He gives you time. Number one is time. He gives you time. It's the time we have to live upon this earth, either until our last breath or until he returns. So he gives us time. But more importantly than just time, it's the day-to-day -day life that you have. So I have a couple questions for us today. Knowing that the time we have is from him, that we are actually stewarding his time. This time actually belongs in his hand. I think that will shift your whole perspective when you realize my time isn't my time to begin with. What are you doing with the time you have? Do you live intentionally? And this, this is why I tell you it matters how you treat your waitress at the restaurant. This is why I tell you it matters how you treat the person at the gas station. This is why it matters, because he is looking at your day-to-day -day life. Does my servant live intentionally with the time I have bestowed upon them to steward for a small season? Let me ask you this. If you had one more day to live, how would you live? Some people may say, oh, I'd give away all my money. I, I do this, I do that. Can I tell you, I wouldn't do one thing different if this was my last day on this earth because I'm stewarding what he has entrusted me with. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I, if I were to die tomorrow, I would be perfectly content with how I spent my last day. If I knew today was my last day, I wouldn't run out throwing money here, throwing money there, doing, why? Because if I wasn't doing that in the first place, it doesn't matter. If I'm doing that because it's my last day, I'm acting out of fear, not because I'm faithful. Do you hear what I'm saying? So depending on how you would answer, how would I live my last day? For me personally, I wouldn't change one thing. I already live faithful stewarding what I've been entrusted with. Because I'm living intentionally with my time. So number one is he's given us time. Number two is he's given us talents. The spiritual gifts and abilities he has given you to further his kingdom. Can I, can I make sure we understand that? Your talents and abilities actually were not given to you just for you to grow wealthy. Not for you just to gain promotions in your workplace. But your gifts and your talents and abilities were given to you to further his kingdom. Well, Pastor Josiah, what does that look like? If you have the gift of singing and leading people into his presence, you better be up on that stage. Furthering his kingdom, guiding people into his presence. She'll tell y'all enough. She does all the time. Do, do we understand? If your spiritual gift is actually one of faith, you should be up here praying for people, believing that people will be healed because you have the spiritual gift of faith. And so whatever we have been given, it wasn't given to us to make us successful or prosperous, which su success and pro prosperity does come from being a faithful steward. But that was not the sole purpose of it being given to you. It was to further his kingdom. So let me ask you this. How are you, how are you using them to serve? 
That's going to be a hard question for some of us, but can I tell you and encourage you, there are plenty of ministries for you to serve in at this church. So if you're not currently serving, I would never point the finger, how dare you? I'm going to say, hey, how about let's shift that so you're a better steward of what God has given you? Because a lot of you are a lot more talented than I am. You just have not stepped out into a place to use them yet. I tell people I can't really do much. I can just talk okay. A lot of you can do a lot more than I can. I can talk okay and I love Jesus. That's about all I got going for me. So a lot of you are a lot more talented than I am. You just not, have not stepped into that place of faithful stewardship yet. So I want to ask you, how are you using these talents and abilities to serve God? To further his kingdom? And this is a very important question because if you are using your gifts, this is another question. Are you developing them? A lot of people in this church have been Christians for a very long time and you knew your spiritual gifts at one point and you were walking in them, but you stopped. When Jesus entrusts us with something, he doesn't give it to you so you can sit idle with it and not do anything. He gives them to you so you can develop them. Because can I tell you, when your gifts are strong, people around you are positively impacted. When you are faithfully serving and stewarding what he has given you, your gifts develop and your talents develop. And guess what happens to this church when every single one of you develops your talents? We get better. Siri's talking to me. Siri said, I don't understand. It's okay, Siri, they do. Anyways, Siri just did a sermon illustration for me. Siri, you're the bomb. Siri always got to be saying something to me. I'm like, Siri, I don't need your input anyways. But anytime you get better, guess what? We all win. We all win. Every single one of us win when you get better. Not me. Yes, I pray y'all get better. Y'all win when I get better. But I'm telling you, every single one of you, every time you get stronger, every time you develop your gift to the next level, what does it mean to develop? It means you are walking in that. Daily, living intentionally day to day to use your gifts. But every time you develop your gift, we all get better. We as a church get stronger. We as a church are more impactful every single time you guys develop your gifts. Number three, it's treasures. Now, what are our treasures? Some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he talked about this. Treasures are our financial resources. Because we're not afraid to talk about money in this house. These treasures are your financial resources. That, that's what this category is. Obviously, when it says store up treasures for yourself in heaven, he's not talking about money, okay? But the, the three categories that he has entrusted us with is our time, our talents, and our treasures. Your treasures are your current financial resources. Do, do we understand this? And so your money isn't merely for your enjoyment. Oh, man. I make some people mad at me. But for kingdom advancement. I need you to hear this. Your money is not merely for your enjoyment, what you can buy, what you can have, but it's actually intended for kingdom advancement. So, this goes back to what Jesus told us. Jesus said, you're not all going to have equal time. None of us in here will live the same amount of years, the same amount of hours, the same amount of minutes, and the same amount of seconds. We don't all have equal time here. Do we understand this? We don't all have equal talents. All of us, that's the beauty of being the body of Christ. A body needs fingers, a body needs eyes, a body needs feet. We all have different talents to make up the body. But we all don't have the same financial resources. God has blessed some of you to be business savvy. And you know how to make money. Some of you are numbers people. That's beautiful. And some of us have a lot more financial resources than others. But the fact of the matter is this. Are you giving into the kingdom? 
I know it's popular, and it, listen, I know it's uncomfortable, and some people may not come back to this church because Pastor Josiah talked about steward of money. But listen, I know it's popular in American culture to hoard money. Like, man, we stockpile and stockpile and stockpile just because we're afraid something may happen. Like, literally, it's usually out of fear that we stockpile money. Oh, well, 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 what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if God calls you to give a lot of money to a church? And so we get so caught up on the what ifs that we don't usually steward our money well. Can I tell you, I used to be that way. I am not a rich man by any means, by any means possible. But I used to hold every bit of money to myself because I was scared I was going to lose it or something was going to happen. I wouldn't have enough to provide for my family. But y'all, I'm telling you, in this season, I'm still not a rich man by any means. But I'm giving more in this season than I ever have. Why? Because I'm not afraid of the what ifs. Because I know even in the what ifs, God's going to provide every single thing I need. So while I may not be a rich man, every time I get surplus coming to myself, guess where that surplus goes? In this house, because I believe what we're doing here. And some people, oh, the pastor wants my money. I don't get your money. What? That is such a crazy thought process. My money's actually going back into this place. So my question is, do you give generously? And do you steward, listen, listen, his money well? Mm, That's going to mess with some of us in a very possession materialism America. When I say his money, that's going to make you squirm a little bit. Oh, but I earned that money. Oh, but I worked so hard for that. Yes, you did work hard. Praise the Lord that you worked hard. I'm thankful that you worked hard. But it's a blessing from the Lord. So my question is to you, are you generous? Like our passage we read, are you generous with what he has given you? Do you give back into the kingdom because everything he has given to you? Because I'm telling you, what we're about to read in verse 19 is going to be very humbling for every single one of us. And so I want to encourage you with 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. You don't have to turn that if you don't want to, but Paul says this. Paul says, run your race. Don't be worried about your neighbor beside you. They have a different race to run than you do. Don't worry about your friend down the street. They have a different race to run than you do. But the important part about running your race is you have to know your route. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I see Brian's route and I start running his route, well, then I'm not running my race. So if I'm so focused on what Brian's doing, I don't see what God has me and where he has me. I'm actually running a route that was not prepared for me. I'm running, but I'm not running the route that was prepared for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Run your race. What does that mean? That means know yourself. Use your time wisely. Use your talents wisely. Use your treasures wisely because Jesus has entrusted you with what you have for a purpose. So I want to encourage you to run your race. Listen, hear me out. Comparison is a killer of discipleship. If you look at Pastor Josiah, why am I not where Pastor Josiah is? Maybe Jesus did not entrust you with what he entrusted me with. And so instead of running your race, following your level of discipleship, you're so focused on me, you stopped running and now you're just walking. You're not even walking on your own route. So I need us to understand, know yourself. Intentionally look inside yourself. Think about your day-to-day life. If there are things you need to do better, guess what? Do better. I believe in you. I believe all of you. I believe in every single one of you. Live more intentionally. If you realize you're not using all the talents you have, guess what? Today's a new day. You can use those talents today. And if you have not been given generously, well, guess what? Today is a new day. You understand that's the beauty of having breath in our lungs. We can make a change at any point. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. 
This is simply the faithful stewards versus the unfaithful steward. Let's look at the difference of what happened. So Jesus, right, Jesus gives them these things, their time, their talents, and their treasures. And Jesus entrusts them. He says, Jesus went away. Let's look at verse 16. Let's look at what the faithful servant does. He says, the man who had received five bags of gold went. Do, do you understand? He went at once. What does that mean? Instantaneously, when he knew what had been entrusted to him, what did he do? He went and used it. He put it into action and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Okay, do we see verse 16 and 17? What does a faithful steward do? They take what they have and they put it into action. What does that mean? A faithful steward lives intentionally every single day. And can I tell you, it's hard to live intentionally every single day. But that's the point of intentionality. You have to think about it to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so as soon as faithful stewards understand what they have received, they take it and they use it. It does not sit idle. It does not gain rust. It is active and alive. And so we see verses 16 and 17. What does a faithful steward do? They move into action. And it says at once. So what? Obedience in action. Huh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Obedience in action. So not only do they understand, but they obey and they put that obedience into action. So we know faithful stewards are obedient and they actually do something. They put that thought process into action. How many of us had a good thought we never acted upon? Anybody? Are, are, we, are we too prideful to raise our hands? Yeah? Like everybody? Yeah. I've had a lot of good ideas I never put into practice. Oh, like that person could really use my help with that flat tire. And guess what I did? I drove right by. Huh, I think I should pay for this person's meal behind me. Didn't do it. Right? And so obedient, faithful stewards obey and put that obedience into action. But let's look at verse 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's Money. Okay. I'm not trying. I've heard pastors preach this and they only put the emphasis on the unfaithful servant. I'm not putting emphasis on the unfaithful because my longing is that you all become faithful. But how can you be faithful stewards if no one has taught you to be faithful stewards? So I'm not going to point fingers saying, how dare you be unfaithful? No, I'm going to say, let's look at the unfaithful guy and let's not do what he does, but let's look at the faithful stewards and let's do what they do. So what does verse 18 tell us? An unfaithful steward takes what God has given them. They sit on it. They use it for themselves. They use their time for their own hobbies and priorities. Do you hear what I'm saying? That day-to-day life's all about them and what they want to do. Number two, they use their talents for only their own success to rise up the ranks. Number three, they use their earthly treasures, their finances, to only benefit themselves. And so as the faithful stewards took it, obeyed and ran with it. And what does it say? They gained, right? Why? What does a steward do? They expand the assets of the one that they are stewarding. And so the faithful stewards, they protected it by keeping it with them, but then they went out and they expanded the kingdom of God. But an unfaithful steward takes what God has given them and they use it for their own benefit alone. Do we understand what I'm saying? So what can we learn from the unfaithful servant? Okay, when you know what God has given you, Right? So you know you have time. All of us have day-to-day time. Amen? Praise the Lord. Y'all, real quiet today. Amen? Praise the Lord. We are alive right now. We have day-to-day time. Okay? So what does that mean for us now? We are to live intentionally. Yeah? You, 
a lot of you know your talents, right? You know what you're good at, right? And play to our strengths. I play to my strengths, and we have a lot of people who are a lot better than I am when it comes to my weaknesses. So I let them play to their strengths. We play to our strengths, and that's why the church is being healthy, right? And so know your strengths, know your talents. And what happens when you know those things? Use them. Yeah? Yo, look, real dead right now. I got to do something. Come on now. We're, we're a living church. Yo, we should be excited. This is encouraging because we're going to get to the point of what happens, what, what is waiting for us as faithful stewards. We're just, we're working up to it. You hear me? We're, we're, we got to get somewhere today. You hear me? We're getting somewhere today. Yeah? We, yeah? Can I see some teeth? Yes. Okay, never mind. I give up. But listen, and with, with our earthly possessions, can I tell you something about this? I, I told this story before, but a lot of you are new, so you don't know the story. Um, right whenever uh, I found out that Ezra was actually coming along, we didn't know, then we found out Serena was pregnant. And guess what happened? I lost my job. I had no monies, none. I had none. Uh, I paid rent, and I completely wiped out all of my accounts in three months, paying car payments, insurance, uh, housing, everything. I had fully wiped out my accounts. And I was losing my mind because I had just found out a baby was on the way. I started panicking. I'm telling you, I had never been so filled with anxiety in my life. Literally, I'm pretty sure I started balding so bad. Um, but in that season, while I was freaking out, I just felt the Lord tell me to keep tithing. And I had no money. I literally had one more. I had only, I had $1,300 left in my, in my account. Literally, y'all, no lie, $1,300. And that was all for rent. That's all I had left is to pay next month. And the Lord told me, keep tithing like you were before. God, how the heck am I supposed to tithe $500 out of $1,300? How am I going to live? How am I going to provide for my pregnant wife? How are we going to have anything? And man, I struggled, for, I struggled for days and it took everything in me to send online that tithe. That tithe. I was freaking out. A week later, literally, my rent is coming around, <laughs> freaking out. God, you lied to me, God. I'm like, you lied. Now I'm going to be homeless. Like, thank you, God. <laughs> is Miss Johnny still in here? Miss Johnny, your husband walks up to me and hands me $500, the exact amount I needed to pay my rent. Had no idea. Didn't know what I needed. I love, Miss Johnny, I love you. And I love Mr. Jr. Those are faithful stewards. And in my moment of need, God sent the people I needed in my life to give me exactly what I needed. No, not a penny more, not a penny less, exactly what I needed in that season. So can I encourage you, if you're freaking out because of money and you don't think you can pay your tithes, you can't afford not to pay your tithes. I've known a lot of people lose their houses and they didn't pay tithes. I know a lot of people who didn't have the money to pay their rent tithed and God provided everything they needed. So no, this is not a money scheme. I'm not trying to get your money. It doesn't even come to me. My gosh, it doesn't come to me. It goes into ministry, what we're doing here, and God pours in and blesses us because of that. So we are to be faithful stewards over our treasures. Verse 19, let's look at this. It's going to be encouraging for some of us. Now, some of us are going to be like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. But once we get over, I need you to see this. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So I need to tell you this. Jesus is coming back. Praise the Lord. He's coming back. 
my gosh. This world is crazy. I don't really want to be a part of it all that often. I'd love for Jesus to come back. But until then, we're going to be faithful stewards. And we're going to see a lot of other people come into the kingdom of God because we're faithful. I believe that. But the fact of the matter is it says that the king, the ruler, came back to settle accounts. Do you see he came back specifically to settle accounts with those he entrusted with what he gave them? So this is the fact of the matter. All of us will go before Jesus. All of us will go before the king. Let's talk about that for a second. So that means that the time he gave you, the talents he gave you, and the treasures that he gave you, guess what he's going to ask you? What did you do with it? He's going to come back and he's going to look at you, Miss Noemi. He's going to say, Noemi, what did you do with it? Sister, right? Because he's our brother. Sister, what did you do? Brother, what did you do? Brother, what did you do with what I gave you? I want to talk about the judgment of believers versus judgment of non-believers. We're not going to really get into the judgment part. But did you know if you're a believer, you will not be judged for your sins? Some of you better start shouting and getting excited because the blood of Jesus. You will not be judged. I have so many believers tell me they are so scared to see Jesus. Well, well, you don't know what I did last week. It's okay. He does, and he already forgave you. My, somebody better get excited. Do we not know the Jesus we serve? He loves you. My gosh, we see Jesus as this big, mean bully so often. Just because he's coming to keep you accountable doesn't mean he's mean. Accountability keeps you safe. Everyone on staff knows what I'm doing in this church because it keeps us safe. So Jesus' accountability is not to condemn you, it's to protect you. Man, some of y'all need to see Some of our perspectives about Jesus have to change. You have been raised in church the wrong way to see Jesus as someone he is not. You have been raised to see the rapture of the saints as something terrifying when in reality it's beautiful. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it means for the king to come back? He's coming back to save his bride from a broken world. I love my wife. If I knew my wife was in a dangerous situation, guess who would roll up ready to fight? It would be me. He is coming back to for his bride because he loves you. Do we under, what do you have to be afraid of? He is coming to protect you and to rescue you. Come on, saints. We got to change our perspective, man. Y'all have watched too many cheesy sci-fi movies about the return of Jesus. You've read too many books that are not, no, I'm serious. Those are not biblical. Do you understand the Left Behind series? That is not even based on scripture. My gosh, man. The return of Jesus is beautiful. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord, Maranatha. My gosh, I wish he would come in this moment. But I see a bunch of Christians afraid. Oh, man, I got to give account to Jesus. Oh, man, but you will not be judged for the wrong you did. He already died for that purpose. Can we please believe the full gospel? My gosh, he died for you, man. So you would not be judged. Oh my gosh, we just celebrated Easter, but people are still living like Jesus never died. So the fact of the matter is believers will be judged upon their sin because they have not put their faith in Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but those are already condemned who do not believe in me. The only thing, listen, you condemn yourself if you do not believe. He does not condemn you. Isn't that crazy to think that we are, the, we are our worst own enemies? 
We condemn ourselves. He does not point the finger and say, condemned. No, whether we put our faith in him or not. And so I want to focus on the judgment of a believer because I think it's beautiful. The first thing we need to know is that it's actually a reward system. And now some people are like, oh, I just serve Jesus because I love him. Yeah, I love him too, but I want my father to think I did a good job. And I would love some blessings from him too. Why wouldn't I? Listen, my earthly father is the best father on the planet. And I literally, I pray every day that I make my own earthly father proud. But way more do I hope I make my heavenly father proud. Do you know that good fathers give good gifts? Jesus said that. Yeah. So why would I be like, oh, I served you. I don't want any gifts. Okay, give them to me then. I'll take them. You don't want your rewards? I'll take them. My gosh, why do y'all act so pious all the time? Listen, you don't want your rewards? I'll take them, man. Because I am doing everything I can to hear that good and faithful servant when I pass on. Man, I long to hear that more than anything else. That is my motivation in this life is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, good and faithful steward. It's a reward system. I need us to see this in Scripture before y'all think I'm some prosperity gospel preacher. Because I'm not even talking about prosperity in this life. I'm talking about the one to come. So Scripture tells us you will either get your, your full reward or a partial. Second John chapter, uh, sorry, Second John verse 8 says, it says this right here. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, that you may be rewarded fully. Well, if you can be rewarded fully, you can also be rewarded partially. Hmm. 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 Let's look at, hmm. y'all, sometimes I don't think y'all believe me, but man, I'm going to tell you, I read this Bible every day of my life. I promise you, I promise you, this is in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. So we make it our goal to please him. Do you, do you hear that? So we make it our goal to please him. Not to get rich, not to be famous, but my goal is to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us, listen, so that each of us may receive which is due for the things done while in the body. Do, are, are, are we getting what I'm saying? So when Jesus comes back and we face him face to face, we don't have to be terrified. One, because our sins are already wiped out in his book. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life and the old book you used to be a part of with your sins recorded is gone. It's not there any longer. You're here. Son, daughter, brother, sister, you, you're here now. This book will never go away. This is an everlasting book and your name is written in it. So when we see him face to face, the fact of the matter is what, listen, this is what judgment means in the Greek. A decision resulting from an investigation. Do you hear that? Judgment is, listen, a decision resulting from an investigation. What does that mean? Jesus is going to investigate our lives, our thoughts, our motives, and our intentions. So what does that mean? That means when you face Jesus, you cannot lie to him because he's already done a thorough investigation of everything you've done, everything you've thought, your intentions, and your motives. That's not to scare you. Do you understand? That is, listen, the Bible was not written to scare you. The Bible was written to encourage you and exhort you. And so what does that tell me? Instead of being afraid that he's going to do an investigation into my life, simply live a way that he will be proud of. So often I feel like we act like we're criminals running from the police. It's like, don't let Jesus know what you're doing. Clean it up when he comes, but just keep running. Keep running from him. Don't let him know what you're doing. That's the opposite of what this means. It means live in such a way that you are proud of the way you're living and that when he sees you, he's proud of what he sees when he, when he does that thorough investigation. 
And the fact of the matter is you're already innocent. No matter what you've done, his investigation shows that you're innocent because of what he did. So now he is, what is he looking at? He's looking at all the good things you did and he's seeing, well, why did they do it? Let's, let's, let's look at scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. By the grace God has given me, this is, this is Paul, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and so someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful with how they build. Do we see that? Be careful. Paul has laid a foundation. We're about to find out who it is. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? So Jesus is the foundation. What is he specifically talking about? The church. He's talking about believers, talking about faithful stewards, his servants, okay? So Paul is referencing the church, and Jesus is the foundation. The author and finisher of our faith, he's the foundation of the church. He's the pillar, he's the strong foundation that we are built upon, okay? So he is saying, if anyone comes into the church and is building something, it has to be based in Jesus first. Your motives and intentions have to be to please Jesus. Everything has to be to please Jesus. I don't care what you're building. If the motive or intention is not Jesus, let's see what happens. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. So what does that say? It doesn't matter how good it looks on the outside. Jesus will determine the true intention and motive of it. Because the day will bring it to light. Jesus is the day. He is the light that shines in the darkness. It will be revealed with fire. God's judgment is called fire. It refines and cleanses and purifies. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Okay, so what is the judgment? It is basically, he uses the example of precious, precious diamonds, stones, gold. He uses precious jewels. And then there's hay and stubble and there's wood. Well, what happens whenever gold goes through? It's refined. It's made pure. Well, what happens when straw goes through? It's burned up. And so he is saying, it doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside. The fire shows what it truly is. You know what happens if you take a straw? You can spray paint it gold. That don't mean it's gold. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can disguise a lot of things as something that they are not. And so what, what Paul is saying is that when it comes before the throne of Jesus, Jesus is the fire. He's the judge. And when it passes before the light, everything will be truly revealed. Okay? And the fire will test the quality, what does it say, of each person's work. Who's each person? Me, you, 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 everyone in this room, each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder receives, what is that? A reward. Y'all think I'm making up some stuff in the Bible right now. It says we receive a reward. I'm not playing, man. This is really a reward system for how we're living right now. We'll receive a reward if it is burned up. But you see, if you only live for the rewards, what's going to happen to what you did? It's going to burn up because the motive and intention was not Jesus. The reward is a perk of how you loved him and how you lived this life. It says, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I heard this one pastor use an example. Megachurch, all right, the church of a giant megachurch, had 15,000 people in it. I mean, it was huge. It was thriving according to what they, to what they thought, right? So it looks like gold, right? It looks like gold, um, well, the pastor had huge moral failures, and he's not even following Jesus anymore, completely, completely changed. And the pastor used that example for this. What he had built looked like pure gold. It looked like pure gold, what he had built. But when the judgment came, it was burnt through the fire. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how big we build our church. If the motivation and intention is not to glorify Jesus, nothing else matters. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why I preach hard truths. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here that you receive your full reward. Somebody say full reward. Say it again. Say it one more time. We have to live with intentionality, with a mindset of eternity while we live this life. Because some of y'all are like, oh, the Bible doesn't say that. No, that's because you don't look to eternity like I do. I don't care if I'm ever rich in this earth. I don't care if this church is ever huge. I don't care about any of those things. Because this life is but a mist, but a vapor, and it's gone. So why would I give everything I am to this life when I can look to the next and glorify his name, magnify his name in all things? And so what does that tell me? It doesn't matter what we do for the church if the motive is not Jesus be glorified and magnified in my body. Whether in this body or out of this body, we seek to please him. Do we understand? So when we live a life that wants to make Jesus proud, you have nothing to fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. So this is what it tells me. If you are afraid of the return of Jesus, you don't know him like he wants you to know him. Perfect love drives out all fear. You can't fear him when you love him and know that he loves you. Are, are, are we receiving what's coming today? And so I want to encourage you by telling you this, and I encourage you to go study. Go study this for yourself. Because listen, I don't ever just want you to take my word for it. Go study it and you will be so encouraged and your life will absolutely change knowing, knowing these truths. And can I tell you something? Jesus wants to reward you. Jesus is finding every chance he can to say, oh, that was good. I'm giving him a here, right here, right here. Oh, there? Oh, yeah. Can I tell you, his investigation is not like, oh, nasty, nasty. No, it's like, that was so good. Like, did you see what they did there? I feel he's called our advocate with the Father. It means he fights on our behalf. So I believe that when he is investigating our lives, he's looking to the Father. Father, did you see how they loved you here? Father, did you see how faithful they were with their time today? My gosh, if we would stop making God the big bad grandpa in the sky and understand that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. Why? Because he loved us. My goodness, if we can get past this fallacy in the church that God's out to get us, no. He is out to get you, but he wants to receive you into himself. Jesus wants to reward you. God is faithful and he rewards those who are faithful. Did we not sing faithful, faithful, faithful? Did we not just sing this? He is faithful and he wants to reward those. Hear what I'm saying. He wants to. It is his desire to give you good gifts as his child. I'm not talking about in this life, man. Because if our focus is solely here, we're going to miss out on so much here. He wants to reward you. Verse 19 should not scare us. It should make you excited. And it should change the way you live knowing that you can make your father proud every single day. But the attentions and the motives will be exposed. So how about instead of trying to hide things now, just live the way you know you should. If you know it's wrong, what does that mean? You know what's right. If you know you're living wrong now and you know it's not pleasing to the father and you know that, guess what you can choose today? To do the right thing. I know it's hard. I know the flesh pulls and tugs. I know this. In Romans 7, Paul says, why do I do what I don't want to do? And I don't do what I want to do. Because there's an inner battle being waged against our souls. And we all experience it. You're not alone. But the fact of the matter is, if you know what's right to do it. Scripture tells us, this is what James says. James says, for him who knows what is right and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. To him, it is sin. Because we know better. 
Do we understand? Are we encouraged that he wants to reward you? That when he comes back, he's not coming to condemn you. And his investigation is not one that's trying to prove you're guilty. Do you understand that? His investigation is not trying to prove you guilty. He's proving you innocent. Man. Oh, we can only talk about the cross on Easter. Is that what's happening? Are we not excited today? That that is the truth of eternity for all of us in this room. That he is not seeking to condemn you. He is seeking to free you and say, that's my brother. That's my sister. God is saying, that is my daughter. That is my son who I love, who I died for. Yes? Amen? Do we understand this? Are we excited about this? That there's nothing to fear upon his return. Yes, praise Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, if y'all get that perspective shift of eternity, your entire life will change. I'm not even saying you're living wrong now, but I'm saying you'll live the life you were always meant to live when you understand Man, you will lead your kids different. You will love your spouse different. Because listen, can I tell you, you will never scare someone of their cell phone. Some... Jesus calling? Hello? He's on the Yeah. No, better answer that if it's Jesus. I love y'all. I love how y'all get interactive with it. Man, ain't no reason not to play with it. I mean, nobody's here to perform, and it's what it is. Hmm. But I'm telling you, man, you will never scare anyone into loving God. I don't care how much you scream hell. I don't, y'all, this world doesn't believe in hell. This world don't believe in heaven. Why would they believe in a hell? They don't believe in that, man. But when they see the way you love them, and it doesn't make any sense why you love them the way you love them, then we can talk about the real truth of this thing, man, to really get into it. If I, if I look at someone who's living a way I don't agree with, and I say, you're going to hell, you really think that's going to make them love Jesus? <laughs> You really think condemnation is the way to someone's heart. Can I tell you, I've worked for employers that did nothing but beat me down. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't work hard for them. I didn't care. You belittle me, good luck, do it yourself. Come on, man, condemnation does nothing for anyone. My gosh, man. Lead them to Jesus, because Jesus isn't even condemning them. It's their choice that condemns them or not. Do do we understand what I'm saying? Love people. Love people well. Steward what he has given you and Church, let's get excited for the return of Jesus. Not because, listen, I've heard people be preaching, yeah, and God's going to condemn the world. I'm like, how about instead of pointing fingers, you go out and love them so more people can come with you? What? How about instead of hating people who are different than us, we love them so then maybe they can get to know Jesus and come with us? My gosh, since when have we become the judge of the world? I mean, oh, look at them. They're disgusting. How about instead of calling them disgusting and pushing them away from the church, you love them so they come to the church? We have so many fallacies in our mind about the return of Christ that we've turned it into a weapon. I've heard, I, 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 heard, this, uh, I heard this one quote say, We're, we are busy trying to arm Jesus and he's busy trying to disarm us. We want to make Jesus this big, bad, mean guy coming for all the bad people. He's coming for all the bad Well, guess what? You're a bad person too. You forget where you come from? You forget what you did last week? You're a bad person too. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be, we'd all be messed up, man. All of us. Every single one of us. I don't even know why I said all that. Anyways, praise the Lord. But listen, this, this should excite you more than anything because look at Jesus' reply in verses 20 through 23 to the faithful. And I, I want to put some energy into this. I thought like we just read through it and we're just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. No, listen. Listen to the excitement. Because listen, do you know they come before Jesus and they're proud of what they did? Because can I tell you, Jesus doesn't expect you to steward anything else besides what he gave you. 
So if you steward what you have, you, you know yourself, guess what you can run before Jesus and say, Jesus, look what I did. Like, Jesus, look. You see the excitement in my face? Because I know I am exactly where he has me in this season, and I know if he were to come today, I could run before him and say, Jesus, look what I did. Like, Jesus, look. Look what I did with my time. Like, look at that. Jesus, look what I did with the talent, the little bit of talent I do have. Jesus, look what I did with what you gave me. And Jesus, look what I did with the treasures you gave me. Look at it. Look what I did. Let's read that in that light. So Jesus comes, and look. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gained five more. Look out. Listen, can we read excitement into that? He's not scared to come before Jesus. He is so excited to come before Jesus because he knows he's a good master. He knows he's a loving, forgiving master. And he doesn't just see what you did wrong. He sees what you did right. Let's look at verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Do we see the exclamation point? That means Jesus was excited. Do you understand? Jesus was not mad. He was excited. His servant came, did well, and he wanted to reward him. He wanted to encourage him. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Can I just read that again? Just close your eyes. If you love Jesus, just close your eyes and picture him coming back and saying this to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. My heavens, I long to hear that. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. We love you, Jesus. We're not afraid of you. We long for you to come so we can show you what we did for you, King Jesus, because we love you. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And did you see that? Did you see the servants had different things to steward? but they both steward what they were entrusted with. And Jesus' reply was the same to both of them. Can I tell you something crazy? Steward what you have well. And Jesus would say the same thing he said to Billy Graham to you. Do you understand that? Billy Graham, the one who led millions to Jesus Christ, Jesus will look at you and say the same thing he did to Billy Graham. That is going to blow some of your minds because you feel insignificant. You feel like God hasn't entrusted you with anything. Be faithful in what he did give you. My aunt told me a story of my great-grandmother. She said she felt like she was put on this earth just to have my grandmother because my grandmother has been such an impactful person in the kingdom of God. So you know what? If that's true, my grandmother stewarded what she was given well, and it was her child, and her child has impacted an entire community. Do you see what I'm saying? And guess what? Guess what God said to my great-grandmother? Well done, good and faithful servant. Guess what he said to Billy Graham? Well done, my good and faithful servant. (gasps) What? Do you understand? There's no partiality in the kingdom of God. I am not better than you. You are not better than me. We're different, but there's beauty in our differences. Some of y'all better be getting excited today. I told you this was going to be encouraging. Live for who he made you to be with your time. Not my time, your time, your talents, your treasures. Because he wants to look at you. He wants to say this. Some of us feel like Jesus is looking at like every little detail. Like, oh, that's bad. That's bad. No, he's looking and he's looking for the good. His investigation is not into the bad. It's into the good that you did. Yeah? And he's looking through the good and he's saying, oh, I get to reward them here. 
and I get to do it here. I get to do it here. So what does that mean for us? We don't have to live in condemnation. Do you understand? You don't have to live with past regrets. You don't have to live in shame for something that you did. Because Jesus isn't looking at that. He's looking at what you did do right. And that is something to be excited about. <laughs> and these faithful servants, no matter how much they were given, they were given their full reward. Do you see how he says, enter into my happiness? My gosh, could you imagine the Lord saying, enter into my, enter into my joy, my peace, my love, my presence, enter in. Come on, I want you, I want you here with me. And I love how it said faithful in a little, because, you know, they could have had a ton of responsibilities, but let's be real, no matter how much you have in this world, it's little. If we're being honest. If you only live max 80 years, what you experienced was a little point of eternity. Did you know anything divided by eternity is zero? That's how small everything is. 200 years divided by eternity. If you live for 200 years, guess what? He's going to say you were faithful in little because 200 years compared to eternity is zero. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying in this small spent, but listen, what does he say? He says, I will give you much in the next life. Listen, I don't know if y'all have read Revelation 21 and 22 about the new heavens and the new earth, but did you know you will be ruling alongside Jesus Christ? So in this life, you may have worked at McDonald's your entire life, but you were faithful where you were and you will be kings and queens in the life to come. Oh my gosh, if that's not the gospel, I don't know what is. Are, are we being encouraged today by this? That while we may experience some things, it's little. And not, not, not to diminish what you're going through. But that's encouraging. Because if you're faithful in the little you do experience, you will be given much in the life to come. That pain you experience now is going to be nothing. You were faithful even in that pain, even in that sorrow. You were faithful to him and he will reward that. Man. God. Let's look at verses 24 through 27. But I don't, like I said, I'm not really trying to hit on the unfaithful because I want you to be faithful. And oftentimes it's not showing what to do, what not to do. It's showing what to do that makes you successful. Verses 24 through 27. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not Scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what it, it belongs. And so the unfaithful servant, okay, he was either truly afraid or he was apathetic. Do we understand that? He either didn't do anything because he didn't want to or he was truly afraid that Jesus was going to come and get him. Can I tell you, both apathy and fear stem from not truly knowing him? If you don't truly know him, you won't do anything because you don't love him. And if you're afraid of him, you're afraid of him because you don't love him. You don't know him. And so either way, if this servant was either just apathetic, because he calls him wicked and lazy. So if either way, if he was apathetic or truly afraid of Jesus, both of them stem from not truly knowing him. You cannot truly know Jesus and be apathetic. And you cannot truly know Jesus and be afraid of him. So either way, both stem from not knowing him. And let, let's look at it. He gives excuses and, act, and he makes accusations towards God. He says, uh, I was afraid, so I did this. But also, you're mean and terrible, so I did this, right? It's excuses and accusations. But what did we just read that the word judgment means? It means a, an in-depth investigation. Jesus sees through the excuses. Jesus sees through the accusations. He sees through and he sees the heart. And so I, I can make all the excuses in the world why I didn't want to serve. I can make all, oh, I was tired. Oh, I worked all week. I didn't want to serve. I did all these things. But when Jesus looks at that, he sees through that to the actual motive of the heart. 
And so I don't want to really zoom in on that, but either way, apathy or truly being afraid both stem from not knowing him. So let's know him today. Let's truly know him today. Because when we truly know him, everything else will flow out of that. And then let's look, let's look at Jesus' reply. His master replied, verse 26, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Right? So he questions him like, oh, so you know this, right? You know this? This is true? Okay. Well then, right? So he answers, well, what should you have done if you knew these things? You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is what I want us to glean from that. <laughs> Faithful people get more. Faithful people get more. I mean, God, let's pull some principles on us and let's not get so fixated on one thing. Faithful people get more. It says, take the one back from him and give it to the one who had ten. Oh, wait, that's not fair. <gasps> that's not fair. He already had ten. Jesus says, I don't care. He was faithful. He deserves more. And it says they will have an abundance. You want an abundance? Be faithful. Amen. Be faithful. Yeah. And what's the other more of the story? Unfaithful people lose it all. Can I tell you that's true for anything? If you're unfaithful in your workplace, you will lose your job. Do you hear me? If you're unfaithful in your workplace, you will lose your job. If you are unfaithful in your marriage, you will lose your marriage. Do, do you hear me? If you are an unfaithful steward, you will lose what was given to you to steward. I'm going to tell you right now, if my bank lost all my, all my money, they wouldn't be my stewards again. I'd switch banks. Do we understand? Faithful people are given more. That's a fact. Unfaithful people will lose it all. That's a fact. It's a fact. So we're not get fixated on that. But I want you to know, being unfaithful leads to punishment. That's a biblical truth. Being unfaithful leads to punishment. Knowing what you should do and doing the opposite leads to punishment. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to dive into that because I'm not trying to scare you. I want you to love him. I want you to know him. There is punishment and it is real. I'll tell you that right now. There is punishment. But that is not what he wants you fixated on. He wants you fixated on the rewards that he has stored up for you and is openly giving to you. And what you do with what God has given you shows your heart towards him. So what you do, what you do with what he has given you to steward shows your heart towards him. If he gives you talents and you're doing everything you can to further his kingdom, it's because you love him. So what you do with what he's given you shows your heart towards him. It shows you what you think about him. Can I tell you, even if you're 8 years old or 80 years old, you can use what he has given you. Uh, last time I checked, no one ever retired from the ministry in the Bible. Uh, Moses was 80, I believe. Moses was 80 years old. Abraham was in his what, 50s when he got the call, actually late 50s they believe. There, there's no retiring from the ministry. You have time. If there is breath in your lungs, you have time you need to use. If you have breath in your lungs, there are talents inside of you that this church needs. And if you're alive, I guarantee you have some type of earthly treasures to use for his glory. So what we do with what he's given us shows how much we think of him, how much we love him. Faithful stewards will be rewarded. So my encouragement to you today as we, we are ending... Uh, Auntie, y'all can come up. As we are ending our uh, part of the series on a disciple as a servant, I want you to be encouraged. That scripture tells us that nothing we do will be forgotten in a good way. Jesus says, well, the Father says, everything you have done for my kingdom, I will not forget. 
So what does that mean? When you do something like scrubbing toilets and cleaning up the church, God sees that you are stewarding his, his bride. When you walk by a chair and you pick up that wrapper from a peppermint, guess what? God sees that. And it says, nothing you do will be forgotten. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you, I have not just been challenging you to serve. I'm giving you some encouragement that while you serve, while you use what he's given you faithfully, you are then gaining those rewards from a father who loves you. Jesus wants to reward you. And the father is faithful and rewards faithfulness. Will you please stand as we pray and go into one more song? Will you raise your hands to heaven with me if you are willing? (laughs) Oh, Father, thank you for loving us. I don't even, it's an honor to even be a steward. It's not a burden. It's an honor to be a steward of the king. What what a mighty position to be so close to royalty. (laughs) Jesus, it's an honor. Thank you Thank you for your heart towards us. That King Jesus, your judgment isn't one looking for the wrong, but it's one looking for the right that we did. So Jesus, thank you for not seeing me as I am oftentimes, but thank you for seeing me as the person you died for. So Jesus, we just love you. And I pray that every person that leaves this place feels encouraged and also challenged to gain those rewards, to live for you in a new way, but not merely for the rewards, but because we love you. And God, I pray day by day we grow to know you more and more, that our motives and our intentions are so pure. I mean, my gosh, everything we do is just pure to please you, to make you happy. That whether in this body or out of this body, our goal is to please you, King Jesus. So Jesus, I just pray we would be faithful in the little things. In this life, faithful in the little things, Father, because you want to give us great things in the next. So God, we just thank you for your mighty word. We thank you that you love us. That we don't have to look at passages in fear, but we can look at passages in love. And we can see your love pouring out every single word. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Will you all sing with us one more song? Yes.
Father, we just thank you for this day to gather as a church family, uh, to just to enjoy the gathering of the brethren. And Father, I just pray we never, we never neglect the gathering of the brethren in this church. So Father, I just thank you for the encouragement you've given us today, the encouragement you've given to me, just to bask in your love for me, to know that you have prepared a place for me, that every day you're looking at the good, wanting to reward me, wanting to love me more. And Father, as you love me more, I love you more. It's a never-ending cycle. And so, Father, I just thank you. Lord, I just pray you bless every single person that came in here today, that they would feel encouraged to go into their week, to live for you, knowing that you're not looking at the person they used to be, but you're looking at the person that you died for them to be, seeing the potential and purpose inside of them. So, Father, I just thank you for this day. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Pastor Betty, you have food? There's food across the street. Go receive the blessing. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to grab cards for Friends and Family Day to hand those out to your friends and family.